We're now going to spend some time hearing God speak to us in the Bible, and Elise is going to come and give us our first Bible reading. Thanks, Elise. Afternoon. Good to see you guys here as we work our way through Mark's Gospel, Biography of Jesus, written by Mark. This semester, uh, we've started off asking the university a question, a question of, do you think there is absolute truth? And so what we're seeking to do, asking that question, is to get people thinking about where, well, 
Where does truth lie? Where are they grounding what they think? And what we're aiming to do in asking that question is to get people to think about the claims that Jesus makes. And so we're trying to make all of these Bible talks, as we always do, very accessible and easy to try and grasp hold, for people to grasp hold of who Jesus is. And what difference does he make? Uh, is he in anybody? Why we bother gathering at a lunchtime to look at what was written 2,000 years ago or thereabouts to try and understand it? Does it make any difference? If you're with us today because you've been invited along, you just happened along, that's great. You're with us. This is the place to be. We aim to look at the Bible to try and understand what God is saying to us at Uni Bible Group. We hold it to be God speaking to us. You don't have to be here to. You don't have to believe that to be here. You don't have to uh, believe that to come along and study the Bible. We want everyone just to be able to uncover the truth. But because it is God speaking, and that's what we hold to, it's right to ask God to help us understand Him. So I'm going to pray. That is, ask God uh, to help us understand it. Help me to be able to explain it well. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Please help us to understand what you are saying to us through this part of your word to us. Please help me to be able to explain it clearly. And we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started asking the university, do you believe there is absolute truth? That is, is there an objective world out there with an objective truth that's independent of us? independent of what I think about it? Or is what I think about the world and how I respond to it actually gives it truth? Is truth objective or is it subjective? Do I just make up what is true? It was exciting last week. If you were here, James opened up the door on philosophical thinking as he talked about the British empiricists and Immanuel Kant and how and the enlightenment and how we are all connected in with those people in the way that we think. It's actually very exciting. And it is so important for us to understand something of our philosophical forebears, you could say, because we actually are operating on the things that they have taught us. You may not think so, but we do. And I want to take you back to another guy. Um, I've got his picture here. It should come up. There you go. Um, maybe just uh, you know, meet the person next to you. Um, have a chat. See if you can identify who this person is by just looking at them. Um, maybe what country they're from. Um, that's what they're famous for. <laughs> Okay. Does anyone think they know 
the name of this Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad example. <laughs> Does anyone know? Ben? René Descartes. René Descartes. Mm. Oh. Do people, anyone here concur? And he's famous for saying what? He's famous for saying this. Which is oh. Latin. Um, <laughs> which means what? I think therefore am. Is that what you, you were going to say? You were very kind. You put your hand up and said, Yes, I think therefore I am. Loosely tra translated into English. That is, what I can be certain of, the absolute truth, is that I exist on the basis that I'm thinking. I'm a thinking conscious thing because I'm thinking it. So therefore, I can, the thing that I can be certain about is that I exist. What he does with that statement back in the 1600s is to shift the ground of thinking, the ground of all Authority and certainty from the corrupt church, the corrupt state, which you just live under, perhaps unquestionably, to the self. I am the ground of certainty. That's the only thing I can be certain of because I'm a thinker. If I'm nothing else, I'm a thinker who is consciously thinking. Now this profound idea, it may not seem very profound, it is indeed profound and it has trickled down from the stuffy academia of the 1600s through every area of Western culture and life such that you don't even recognise it. Let me pick out a few areas where it's hit us on the ground. Career. You do what you want to do. You no longer do what your family did, what your father did. That's crazy. No. You choose what you want to do in life. Marriage, relationships, whoever you want to marry. Your choice on the basis of love. Whoever you want to love. Your choice, not who your parents arrange for you to marry, as much of the world does. Uh, the definition of what is human uh, has shifted away from any objective thing like perhaps the spirit of God or the image of God in that person to a self-conscious being, someone who has a self-identity. Gender and sexuality is not objective, given to you from outside by a label of M or F. No, you can choose to be what you want to be. And it's all just stemming from the the ground of centre being the self. And so we have self-image being so important. Self-esteem is so important. Self-fulfilment is so important. Self-identity, uh, the technology, of course, you know all about, which is the, the iPhone and the selfie. The, the, it all centres on the self. So the question that we're looking at, or that we started with, we start with, which is, who do you follow, might seem like a strange one. It's a question that's raised for us by this passage. It might seem like a strange one for those of us who live in the West. I mean, we follow lots of people. We, you know, we follow certain sports, we follow certain teams, we follow certain 
uh, Instagram accounts we follow. We don't really follow them in the sense that we base our life. I hope you don't base your life on any of them. Unless it's the roosters. Um, but no, 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 no. Even them. Even them. But the idea that we would follow someone, something, dedicated to that thing is strange to our ears. We would follow it if we choose to do it and it's convenient for us at the moment. If it's good for myself, uh, my self-identity, my self-fulfillment. But where does it take you? And where does it lead you? Is where Jesus takes his disciples. The question of following is raised after Jesus identifies or reveals his identity, or actually has it revealed. And last week we saw Jesus ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, well, John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked his disciples personally, but who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. That's the trigger for Jesus in Mark's Gospel. Peter is the first person in Mark's Gospel to identify Jesus as the Christ. Actually, it's the, the second time that the word Christ appears in Mark's Gospel. The first is in chapter 1, verse 1, with that title as Mark opens up uh, the, the, the Gospel, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Where, as the reader, told from the beginning, what the answer is, Jesus is the Christ. And we get to watch, we've been watching over the last eight chapters, as people discover who he is and are shown who he is. And Peter gets the answer. You are the Christ. You are the, the King, the Messiah. You are the one that God has appointed to rule, not just the nation of Israel, but all nations, indeed, to rule universally. And for Jesus, it's a trigger for a new phase of his teaching now for the rest of Mark's Gospel. So verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So now that they understand that Jesus is the Christ, they need to understand what he has come to do. It's not just... You get the identity right, tick, you get the marks, that's it, game over. No, it's you understand that he is the Christ, the title, but what does that mean? What's the plan for this Messiah? And in a sentence, the only good Messiah is a dead Messiah, says Jesus. The only good Messiah is a dead Messiah. The only good Christ is a dead Christ because he's going to be killed. He's going to be rejected by the authorities. Verse 32, And he said it plainly. Peter said to him, uh, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. By turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter is certain of the truth. That Jesus is the Christ. But he's certain of the truth that the Christ does not suffer and die and be rejected. 
That is not what it involves. It can't mean suffering and rejection. On the surface of it, you can understand that. How can the universal ruler that God has appointed to rule the world die? It doesn't work that way. And Jesus doesn't send Peter away as an incompetent idiot or rebel, but he continues to teach plainly. Notice he teaches plainly to everyone what the implications of his kinship are. Verse 34. And he called the crowd to him with his disciples and he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The only disciple of Jesus is a dead disciple. <coughs> to take up your cross means total loss, denying self, loss of self-determination and following Jesus totally, having your identity from following Jesus totally. That's what it means to follow the King that God has appointed to rule the world. It's loss of self, deny self, we have many options in life for ourselves, for gaining for ourselves. We have many options that are given to us at this time of life. We seek to gain better marks in our degree. We seek, we seek to gain uh, privileges because of those marks in different ways in our courses. We go after relationships. We pursue careers. We craft an image for ourselves, of ourselves. We seek after pleasure. We chase many things in life. And that is the problem, is when our identity comes from chasing things, from pursuing those things. Jesus says there's only two options that matter. Follow Jesus, which means let go of everything that you're chasing. Or follow self and walk away from Jesus and the life that he brings. The consequences are there in verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. See, following Jesus means death to self now, but ultimately saving it. If you chase your dreams now, you will lose your life, ultimately, in the end. Now, why is it like that? I mean, if Jesus is the, the ruler, God's universal ruler, who's come to show humanity how to live and to lead humanity into life, why is it that following Jesus involves this? Surely... It would be better if it was something like follow Jesus and have your best life now. Follow Jesus, the self-fulfilled life now. Avoid the suffering and the disappointments of this world. Follow Jesus now. But Jesus says, that's not his message. That's Satan's message. Where he says to Peter, you don't have in get behind me Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. It's the way it is because Jesus, the leader, 
is leading people to life through suffering, losing everything. And it's because the kingdom that Jesus is establishing runs counter to the world. And so following Jesus involves counting the cost of running counter to the world. Keep listening in. Verse um, 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. See, the very activity of setting our minds on gaining the things of this world having our life be the gaining of a good degree, the gaining of a relationship, the gaining of a degree, the gaining of wealth, the gaining of trinkets, the gaining of self-pleasure, is to chase after the world and follow the way of the world that actually runs away from God. It actually runs counter to the way God has set us to live. Jesus calls this generation... An adulterous and sinful generation. We'll just uh, metaphorically get into bed with whatever gets us further. We'll just follow, we'll just sell ourselves to the world if whatever gets us what we want. We think it's just, just being self-actualised. We're, we're just uh, gaining self-identity. We're doing very acceptable things. But by making those things in the driver's seat of our life, we're actually running counter to the king. It's adulterous and it's sinful, our generation. And so listen, friends. Listen to me. I need to listen to what Jesus is saying here. Lose your life. The life of chasing for yourself and follow Jesus the king and gain life. The missionary Jim Elliot famously put it this way. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We chase after the world and we'll never keep it. Death will always get us in the end. It'll always be the end result, resulting in nothing. But follow Jesus, give it all up to follow him and you'll be able to gain something that can never be taken away from you by death or by anything else. Your friends, take care. This is normal, everyday following of Jesus, discipleship of Jesus. It's not the optional extra um, extreme Jesus following. You know, lay down your life, lose everything. This is normal. There's only one plan. It's not like signing up with Optus or, or Telstra on the plan that best suits you. There's only one plan available. That is, lose everything to follow Jesus. Everything. Sometimes we think that we, we're an exception. Uh, often we think we're the exception to the rule. Uh, because we have unique circumstances. Um, this is not a convenient time to be thinking through these things. For me, I'm halfway through my degree at uni. 
Um, I don't need to be thinking these sorts of things. Um, lecturers have told us that we're going to have to work our butts off if we're going to get a, the marks we need to be able to stand out in the marketplace to get a job at the other end of uni. This is not the time to be thinking about giving up everything. And I do need to add another day's work into my part-time job because I really am not, I'm really falling short of my goals to save up money to travel to Europe at the end of next year, maybe it's the end of the year after now. Uh, and there is that girl, guy, that I am very interested in. It's never con convenient time to hear this message. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realise that you had so much on your plate right now. Um, it is uni, it's an important time of life. You're establishing yourself in life. Yeah, maybe I didn't mean you people. Perhaps later on when things have settled down, then you can deny self and follow me. Can you hear any of that rumbling around in your head? It just doesn't work. Because it all is just flowing from me continuing to live my, for myself. You will never be settled enough to follow Jesus. Jesus has the whole crowd in mind. He has you and me in mind. And if anybody in the world, in anybody in history, particularly you and me, because we, out of everybody in history, have gained so much and have so much to gain in the opportunities of our world. You and me who live in this adulterous and sinful generation with our hearts bent on self-gain. You either seek to gain the world now and by definition turn your back on the one who is ruling the world or turn your back on the world to follow Jesus and gain life but it will involve suffering and it will involve giving up, chasing what you're chasing. Practically, what's this look like? Well, have you ever taken the time to work through this challenge from Jesus? For some of you, it might be a well-known challenge from Jesus. It's so well-known that it just sort of rolls over you. Because you know that Jesus can't mean, like, go and just die tomorrow sort of thing, can you? We just like, okay, we'll shelf that off and work it out another day. Have you ever sat down and worked out what it means, this challenge from Jesus? If you aren't a Christian, if you aren't not, not a follower of Jesus, uh, this is a good challenge to hear too. Especially, have you tried uncovering the truth that Jesus is the king that God has put in place to rule the world right now? Have you worked through whether that is true. If you haven't, then hopefully you can hear that you need to. If there is a one who is ruling the world now and is calling us to account for how we live, then find out whether that is right. Find out whether that is true. Read Mark's Gospel with us and uncover the truth. Maybe it's ten hours of your life to do that. Maybe you'll gain life by doing that. At worst, you'd lose 10 hours or so. Or do you say, no, it's not really time? And does that just betray something that's really at work in your life? That is, I'm living for what I want. It's not a convenient time. Now is the time 
to take up that option. I'll tell you at the end how you can do that. If you are a Christian, is your life an open check for Jesus? That you sit loose to everything in your life, like jobs, like relationships, like marks. Not that you never think about them, not that they become irrelevant, but are they no longer the thing that you chase after? They're just the thing that I happen to be doing. As I'm following Jesus, the King, wherever he may take me. And the rubber has to hit the road somewhere. Are you losing your life for Jesus? And note, and the Gospels. The, you're losing your life for the Gospel, verse 35. That is, have you ever spoken, if you are a follower of Jesus, have you ever spoken about the one you're following? Have you ever spoken the Gospel? That is, I follow Jesus, who's the King. I have given my life to Jesus. He's the one who rules my life now. Have you ever done that? Well, there's a, there's a great option. There's a great first step. It would be strange not to do that, wouldn't it? If the one who is the, the, whole, the whole ground and centre of your life is never the one that you ever express that to anybody, it's hard work. It's real hard work in a world that doesn't want to hear that. But lose your life. Lose your self-image. Um, lose your self-comfort for the sake of the gospel. It's a great place to start. Tell somebody that you're actually following Jesus as king. And perhaps then they also will be introduced to the king. The king who rules gloriously. That's our fourth point. Because Jesus says to them, uh, you can see it up in verse chapter 9 there, he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now Jesus seems to change tack completely here. From talking about losing everything to the kingdom coming with power, what does he mean? Well, let's keep reading on to see that. Because verse 2 of chapter 9, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James and John up a high mountain by themselves and Jesus was transfigured before them that is metamorphosized uh, metamorphosis changed in appearance and his clothes become radiant intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them we're told that obviously never been washed by my grandmother <laughs> bleach anything white and it's a glowing sort of aura that's there and Elijah and Moses appear and they're talking with Jesus there's great Figures of the Old Testament are there, and Peter is clearly overwhelmed. He says, How about we set up a campsite? But God speaks to Peter and the other apostles as he spoke to the Old Testament, as we've already seen in Mark's Gospel, about the promised Messiah King. This is my beloved Son, Psalm 2. Listen to him. This is the one. This is the one you've been waiting for for millennia. Listen to him. On the way down the mountain, Jesus links what they've just seen with the Son of Man rising from the dead, they say. And he, he says, and don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. That is, this scene of this glorious transfiguration of Jesus is linked with his death and resurrection. Now, the best commentary on this is in the book of 2 Peter, 
chapter 1, verse 16. I'll let you go and look it up later on, where Peter, in his second letter, writes about this very experience, where he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty on that mountain. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, as God spoke and testified that this was the Son. What did they see? What were they given a glimpse of? That Jesus was not just the Messiah King who would die, but that he would be raised gloriously, majestically, to rule and reign. Yes, Jesus is glorious in his rule, but it only comes through suffering. It can't be shortcut. And when we live in a world that runs counter to God, when you follow the Messiah who suffered, we too will suffer. Glory awaits. But suffering is now. Well, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Descartes? You might think, I've never followed Descartes. I've never heard of Descartes. (laughs) Well, that is, are you going to follow the world? Are you going to follow self? We think that we're doing something unique and original. It's never been done before. It's the most unoriginal thing is to be self-determined. Are you going to determine for yourself, gain a sort of glory for yourself now and reject God and be rejected by God? Or are you going to follow Jesus, God's King, who is glorious because he was rejected, suffering death at the hands of the world, but gaining life, glimpsed in a moment here on that mountain, but now established for all eternity through his resurrection from the dead. If you want to find out about that rule of Jesus, and you want to help with finding that out, one first step you can take is I'd like to read the Bible with someone, if that's something you've never done before. Love you to tick that box and we'll help you in the few hours that it takes to discover and uncover who Jesus is. Friends, who are you following? Who are you living for? I'm going to lead us in prayer so we might hear Jesus' words today. Pray, Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus and what you've shown us today of who he truly is. That he is your king your Messiah who rules but he rules his rule comes through suffering and death we pray that we would see who he is and follow him and not chase after this world, not chase after self but to chase the one and follow the one who is the king and live for him we pray in Jesus name Amen we're going to continue. Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for the chance to hear your word today. Um, and I pray for conversations um, with the Unified Group that um, during the daily conversations, uh, you would give people from Unified Group the um, chance to have meaningful conversations with people that they meet. I ask that you will speak through us Um, and help us to care about the people we meet um, so much that we'll share the gospel with them. I pray that you'll work in their hearts 
um, and change them, um, help them to uh, want to uncover the truth in Mark um, and meet Jesus, the King of the world. And I pray also for Ballarat Uni, the Christian um, Uni there, Union there, sorry. Um, and I ask that you'll um, be with them as they start the weekly prayer pods on campus and that you'll um, be able to bring lots of people along to that and that they can be vulnerable in sharing with each other and rely on you in prayer. Um, and I ask that you'll be with their um, uni um, Bible studies as they go through Romans and that you'll help them to um, learn lots from that. And I pray also for the abortion uh, bill as they, as we um, discuss this. And I pray that you'll be with the um, government and people in the public sector and help them to speak in love as they um, as they talk about this issue. But I ask that you'll give the government wisdom um, and help the church to be at the forefront of supporting um, women and children and orphans um, and so that people don't feel like they have no choice but have an abortion. Um, yeah. And we pray uh, that you'll help us to give up our lives and to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.